Welcome to Alumni Voices, a podcast from the University of Oxford. I'm Guy Collander and every month I speak to a former Oxford student about their memories of their alma mater, the impact of their studies and their career. This month we are incredibly privileged to be joined by Sir Roger Bannister, a sporting legend, a distinguished neurologist and an Oxonian through and through. Sir Roger's extraordinary talent as a runner emerged while he was studying medicine at Oxford. On the 6th of May 1954, he stunned the world when he ran the first sub-four-minute mile at the track in Ifley Road. This podcast is being released especially to coincide with the anniversary of that historic day 63 years ago. After retiring from running, Sir Roger focused on medicine and academia, conducting research on the nervous system and later becoming Master of Pembroke College in Oxford. Let's start, if we may, with your medical studies, beginning in Oxford in 1946. What was it like being a student in those days? Being a student in the 46 meant mixing with all those who had come back from the war. 90% ex-servicemen, 10% of us schoolboys. But they were very kind to us and they had had enormous experience of life uh, which we uh, had not got, got and we watched them and we studied them and I suppose we learnt quite a lot from them. And they must have been very austere post-war days. It was severe rationing. We were uh, uh, given one egg a week. Right, and right. And we this college scout who was looking after us used to uh, ask us at the beginning of the week well, sir, what day of the week would you like your egg? Like your egg, indeed. So not ideal for athletic training. Well, I don't know how much difference diet made. Uh, we certainly had plenty of bread and potatoes, um, and uh, that is, of course, um, a source of energy. Um, so I don't think I can say that I was uh, handicapped particularly uh, by the uh, diet. And you were a successful runner at school, but it was really at Oxford that your running career took off. What convinced you to pursue running seriously? I started off in the Michaelmas term uh, with cross-country running and uh, represented the university uh, in the second team at the cross-country at that that, uh, December. But then in the March Two places in the mile had been previously allocated to those who'd run in previous years, and they seemed to be stuck for someone to run the third place. The president apparently said, well, this chap Bannister's been shoveling the snow, it would be very helpful, Uh, let's just put him in as the third string. So I said, well, what does the third string do? And uh, the uh, president said he keeps out of the way, um, um, and if he want, if they want to ask him to do some pacing, he has to do it. Uh, so at the um, university sports uh, against Cambridge at the White City in London, in the mile race, um, I kept out of the way um, for uh, the first three laps. And then suddenly I got the feeling that they were running a bit slowly. And so I overtook them all. And that was how I got my blue. 
and then within a year um, I was uh, briefly secretary and then president uh, of the uh, University Athletic Club and then I was a member of Vincent's and uh, in terms of my undergraduate career I was then president of the JCR um, at Exeter College which was my first uh, college. And you competed at the Helsinki Olympics in 1952 coming fourth in the 1500 metres and after that you decided to devote your energies to breaking the four minute mile. I think every runner or person, but particularly runner or sports person, has got some disaster uh, early in their career and I suppose that would make them either give it up or perhaps redouble the efforts and for me it was such a disappointment in Helsinki to come fourth, fourth in the world. Very respectable Spe still. <laughs> respectable perhaps um, and I knew that there were only two years left while I was a student. I was doing a, a, by then an, an MSc but postgraduate work um, uh, and I thought well I'll do my best at running combining it with medicine. It was difficult to combine th those uh, different activities except that uh, I could train whenever I wanted and I could train uh, at night um, as it was possible to get some training after having worked in the laboratory all day. Can you tell us also about your very effective interval training methods? The training as you mentioned was interval training which had been um, founded originally um, in um, uh, Helsinki, Finland and Stockholm and Sweden uh, and the essence of this was to run fast for 400 meters and then slowly for 400 meters gradually recovering and becoming less breathless um, and this built up the speed because when you were doing the fast quarter mile it was really fast um, and then you recovered and uh, by doing this say 10 times 10 sprints and um, 10 recovery laps or, or distances it was possible to build up stamina too so strengthens their stamina and speed were all being uh, introduced and so by um, 1954 I, I could see that the four minute mile was possible I ran a four two mile and uh, that was um, a race that I, I felt would come with pacing from Chris Chatterway and Chris Brescia um, and there was some urgency about doing it in May 54 because by then two other runners had come on the scene uh, John Landy um, of Australia who uh, rep repeatedly uh, ran uh, miles in 4-2 and then also um, uh, an American runner uh, Wes Santee um, was also had run 4-2 so I knew that in 1954 I had to um, get on with it and, uh, and have a, a very sort of early May race. The 6th of May 1954 was wet and windy and you nearly called off the record attempt. Yes. What were your emotions like throughout that day? I knew that um, I was capable of running 
a four-minute mile or sub-four-minute mile, provided the weather was reasonable. Um, if there's a wind blowing, it slows you down when you're facing the wind more than it helps you when the wind is in your back. So I didn't want to attempt it on a day when the weather, weather was impossible because uh, I would fail uh, and then I might find it uh, difficult to renew my um, enthusiasm and uh, strength for another attempt. That was really the dilemma I faced. But I thought I saw a flag which was measuring the speed of the wind um, on the nearby church, if we road. And uh, so I, about not more than 10 minutes before, um, I said to Chatterwell and Brescia, who by then quite reasonably getting impatient with me, saying, look, we came here to do this, and are we going to do it? But and they, uh, I said, we'll, we'll do it, we'll do it. They uh, very generously um, managed to do the pacing at the correct speed. Chris Brescia starting with the half mile in, in a, uh, two minutes and then the mile, uh, three-quarter mile um, in just over three and then I took over from Chris Chatterway during that last lap and uh, as it unfolded um, it was a, a success. So then I'd only got two more races, one race against John Landy in Vancouver in the Commonwealth Games and I fortunately beat him uh, and uh, that race um, was the first time two runners had broken um, four minutes for the mile. So it was a satisfactory race uh, for spectators too. And then one more race um, winning the European Championships. And then I retired and I was by then uh, qualified as a doctor. Um, and um, I got on with my house appointments with Sir George Pickering, who later became the Regius Professor of medicine in, in Oxford um, and um, I uh, worked also at uh, the Brompton Hospital uh, which was the diseases for, of chest and, and also heart, um, worked at um, the uh, Hammersmith Hospital um, and uh, also had a spell as a surgeon um, at the Oxford um, John Radcliffe Hospital then in the centre of town, I knew already that I wanted to become a neurologist because that seemed to provide a challenge um, for me and I would never understand or completely understand uh, the workings of the mind um, and the mind as it is deranged uh, by neurological illness. I then had to go into the army. Um, I had postponed my army service um, until I could go in as a medical specialist um, and I then had two years, um, six months of them in Aden, um, now the centre of terrorism in the Yemen um, and uh, in the uh, Aden as it then was um, I was working on heat illness which resulted in the death of um, some uh, soldiers because they were made to uh, work too hard at exercises, um, climbing jebels, uh, uh, mountains, um, uh, and uh, some of them uh, had got uh, 
some form of sweating disorder, which was what I studied, um, uh, which led them to, to die. Quite quickly, I moved from uh, that sort of uh, physiological study of sweating, and I then uh, started uh, writing papers, uh, medical papers, um, that were res the result of the kind of um, studies um, that I was doing on the general wards of the National Hospital for Nervous Diseases um, in uh, Queen Square. It was a, a, a tremendously good training um, and by then I was able um, to get a, a fellowship, the, Rad the Radcliffe Travelling Fellowship uh, from Oxford um, and uh, I went to Harvard uh, for a year. Part of the training um, of a, a British um, consultant. Quite a, a difficult study uh, because I had to be resident quite a lot of the time and by then I had the good fortune to have my wife and, uh, and then um, children and I think sometimes they barely knew who their father was, the children, right, right. because I was away so much. But uh, then in 19... Uh, 63, I was appointed as a consultant um, to the National Hospital Queen Square, the leading hospital for neurology in Britain, and also at St Mary's Hospital, uh, and Hospital and Medical School. So by then I had the kind of balanced career pattern, um, and uh, that was where I remained um, for uh, 25 years. Uh, fascinating work uh, and my own interest was the autonomic nervous system which had been relatively neglected um, because it was a borderland between general medicine and, and neurology. Uh, I then was able to write the standard, what became the standard textbook uh, for ne neurology. Uh, it's called uh, Diseases of, of the Autonomic Nervous System. Um, and uh, that's really the story of my, my medical life. Indeed, earlier this year you were made a companion of honour in the New Year's Honours for your services to sport. But what are you most proud of, your services to sport or to medicine, or both? I think I couldn't distinguish. They're both part of me. Um, but um, in terms of sport, um, I was very concerned that there should be a national sports council, like an arts council. Um, and uh, so I was fortunate to be in the right place at the right time and was appointed by a sympathetic government. Um, and when I was chairman of the short sports council in the 1970s, I did arrange for the first um, anabolic steroid test and that is uh, still used uh, as a screening test and so I have played some small part in trying to control the abuse of drugs um, which um, has been something that I've uh, really been deeply disturbed about. So Roger Bannister thank you very much for sharing your incredible life story and for reliving your extraordinary achievements. For more episodes of Alumni Voices, please visit www.alumni.omx.ac.uk.